0: Welcome, New Hope Church. We are glad you're here. We are one church in many locations, so we have campus locations all over the Carolinas and into Kenya, and so just want to welcome all of you at our campus locations. Hey, I haven't been here in a while. I've been doing a little bit of traveling, so if you're kind of new here, uh, my name is Benji, and I get the unbelievable privilege of serving with some amazing pastors and staff, and I get the unbelievable privilege, yeah, of serving and loving what I believe, come on, is one of the most amazing, faithful, uh, humble, joyful communities of faith becoming more and more known as New Hope amen so get yourself get yeah. yourself and celebrate celebrate the church and uh, what God is doing here so I'm glad you're here today today the Lord has led me to speak to um, a very hot and heavy subject, <laughs> and rightly so, right? Because the the series title is titled "What Hot, hot and Heavy." So today, I'm going to talk to you about a topic that I believe. Listen closely. Is actually, well, not is becoming, has become a crisis. A crisis. In our current culture what I mean by that to be honest with you is a missing crisis A missing crisis in our culture what I mean by that is the absence Or the missing of male godliness in America So I'm going to be speaking to the men today is that okay Now women you can you can just go ahead and check out you, you can go ahead and leave. I don't want you to. You can go ahead and go on Facebook. You can do some Twitter. You can get your grocery list going. But, but I hope you don't because I think you'll actually be engaged in this message. And I believe you'll actually find the message empowering and liberating and edifying for you as a female. But also many of the things that I'm going to talk about today that impact the man impact the woman. A few Key disclaimers that I want to make sure I say loud and clear today. Secondly, I already talked about the women. Here's the, 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 the next one that's really, really important. I want to just remind everybody that what we have in here is an adult-oriented worship celebration. We do this every Sunday, not just during a series like this. So children worship at all of the campuses in age-appropriate environments called Hopetown, where they are taught biblical lessons on their level. And so we want to pour into the children. We put lots of resources into making and creating age-appropriate environments. So if you have a little kid with you between birth and fifth grade, let me encourage you to go ahead and right now, just slip on out, no problem, and take them to Hopetown. That is where they belong. So I want to talk to the men today, and I want to ask you this question. What does it look like to be a man? A godly man. Have you ever really thought about that, men? Because, again, what I believe is missing in our culture is an understanding of godly malehood when it comes to sexuality, particularly what I'm talking about today. What does it mean to be a man? Does it mean that I wear camouflage? Like that's one of my favorite colors. <laughs> does it mean I wear? Does it mean I wear a Does it mean I hunt and fish? I love to hunt and fish. Does it mean I drive a four-wheel drive truck? Hello. Or a Harley Davidson? Does it mean I fly an American flag in front of my house? <laughs> does it mean I run with the bulls? <laughs> all of y'all, all y'all wondering, all y'all wondering whether right I'm gonna talk about it. It was awesome. My twin boys are here. It was awesome. And we did our work, man. We went the night before and we we studied the course and we laid out the plan. And the plan unfolded beautifully. I mean, it was just perfect, the the run. But the the run is only a half mile. I don't know if you know this. It goes down in two and a half minutes. And so we didn't start at the beginning because we had done our research. That's where people die. People die at the beginning and people die at the end. (laughs) I I didn't expect that to be that funny. (laughs) Like we did our research. People were like, when they knew that we were going to prepare the night before, they're like, really, you're going to prepare? I'm like, are you, were you born yesterday? Yes, I'm going to prepare. People died doing this. So we didn't start at the beginning and and we didn't, we didn't uh, go, of course, start at the end because that's where people die trying to get into the arena. So the bulls take off, they come down this little narrow stretch and then they turn a little bit and then they come down, they hit what's called dead man's curve. And you don't want to be at Dead Man's Curve. And if you are at Dead Man's Curve, you better be on the inside of Dead Man's Curve. Because if you've seen the video footage every year that's on national news, the bulls usually lose their footing and slam into the wall. And I didn't want to be slammed into the wall by a bull, if you know what I mean. And so we started right at Dead Man's Curve. And you're you're hearing the bulls, and they shoot the rocket. And you hear the bulls coming at you. And it sounds like a locomotive. I mean, the hooves, it's on those cobblestone roads. And and a couple of them had cowbells on them. Give me more cowbell, baby. And... and, (laughs) That's for the old Saturday Night Live people right there. And they're coming at you. And uh, we took off running and we, we ran. And not everybody makes it to the arena. But we wanted to make it to the arena, but we didn't want to die going into the arena. Because, again, that's where people die. But, but we, made it the, we made it the half mile. We got to the arena. We looked back, made sure there weren't any bulls coming, made sure we could get into the arena. And we got into the arena. But, church, I'm telling you, that's where all you know what broke loose. We thought the arena was just a time to celebrate. So we're high-fiving and we're celebrating. And all of a sudden, the bulls are turned loose in the arena. Yeah. Newsflash. Didn't know that. There's 5,000 people in the stands of the arena. And about 2,000, I'm guessing maybe 1,500 on the, on the dirt floor of the arena us who ran it who got in there only about half of us made it in there and they turned these four steers loose in the arena and then there's this Spaniard who sounds like he was highly inebriated on the microphone and he's celebrating every time literally a bull picks somebody up and throws them in the air about 10 feet in the air and so the sea of people starts swarming to the side i thought i was going to be trampled to death i saw a bull and this is the last thing i'm saying i'm going to move on cuz we got some important stuff to talk about i saw A black steer, big old bull, pick up this guy after the guy went messing with him, slapping him in the nose. (laughs) Bro, you want to die. I saw the steer pick him up by the horns, ram him into the ground, and then pick him up and run him into the wall. I was right next to him, about 10 feet. I saw his eyes roll back in the back of his head. When the paramedics peeled him off the wall, hate to get too grotesque, there were intestines hanging on the wall. That's when I decided, I gotta get out of (laughs) here. And that's when I got my little boo-boo that you saw last week. My little boo-boo on my leg. I got a boo-boo because I jumped over a gate. I was getting out of there, dude. I'm getting out of there. <laughs> I thought about whether I should tell this to you or not. Like, we all know that we're a very multi ethnic church, very, very racially diverse. Uh, Angelo Hall, who is, by the way, I think the only worship leader here as a layperson who's ever helped lead worship on every stage at every campus. He's, he's the brother who's got the long dreads and uh, he's always on one of our stages. I saw him at the church on Thursday night of this week. He walked up to me and he said, what's up, bro? He goes, I've I been wanting to ask you a question. I said, yeah, what's up? He goes, how many black people did you see running with the board? Black brothers and sisters are going. It's a really good question. And I started thinking about it. None. To be honest with you, I kind of took offense at the question. It kind of implied that only stupid white people do such a thing. Come on back, come on back. Does does running with the bulls make you a man? (laughs) Might make you an idiot, but not a man. (laughs) Now, listen to me. All those things are awesome. Wearing camouflage, serving in our country, right? Maybe if you're hunting fish. Whatever, those things that can kind of be caricatures of what it means to be a man. But let me tell you something. All those things, while they are awesome, and I embrace a lot of them, none of those things make you a man. Because check it out. You can be a skinny jean, v-neck, sweater-wearing, vegan hipster, sipping coffee in a coffee shop 15 hours a day, and that doesn't make you a man either. But yet you can be all those things and be a godly man. So I want to talk to you today about a very serious problem in our culture. And I want to talk frankly to you. I have a burden on my heart for this particular subject. If you got your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. If you love the word of God, let me hear an amen. I love this church. Oh, I've missed you. Out loud. Really strong. Go. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. What does it say, church? Act like Men. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to act like men? Men. Now, when I was studying this verse and I started looking at these words, they all kind of revolve around this concept of acting like men. Okay? Be watchful, stand firm, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. They all kind of revolve around this concept of acting like men. So if you got your Bibles, circle and underline the phrase, act like men. And the one that the Holy Spirit just kind of drove me to this week is this first one, be watchful. Be watchful. If you study the original language, it's it's a militaristic phrase. It's a militaristic term. Uh, Picture a soldier on a wall, right? And the Bible is saying if you're going to be a man, take your post, stand your ground, and be watchful. Some translations put it like this stand on watch or stay alert. One of the things I think that's plaguing men today is that we're falling asleep, men. We're falling asleep on what's going on around us. Be on your guard. And so as I started studying that and learned what the Greek means in terms of this militaristic understanding of a soldier or a colonel on the post, I don't know where your mind goes, but I know where my mind went. I went to one of the best movies ever. If you haven't seen the movie with Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise titled A Few Good Men, you've missed one of the greatest movies of all time. It's, it's unbelievable. If you, if you haven't seen it, I, I feel sorry for you. I really do. But Kathy is Tom Cruise, and he's in the courtroom. It's a courtroom scene, and he says, I want the truth. Jack Nicholson, who who plays Colonel Jessup, you remember the scene? Colonel Jessup says, you can't handle the truth. Long pause in the courtroom, and Jack Nicholson says this. Son, we live in a world that has walls. And those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have that luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque, And incomprehensible to you saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone to a life defending something. You use them as punchlines at parties. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I prefer you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand your post. Either way, I don't give up. I don't care. I don't care. What you think you're entitled to. Kathy. Did you order the code red? Colonel Jessup. I did the job you sent me to do. Kathy. Did you order the code red? Jessup. You. Blankety, 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 (laughs) blankety. You're darn right I did. (laughs) I love that. I love that because it speaks to this verse. It speaks to this verse. Be watchful. You study that verse, and it's the same imagery. Listen to me, men. Every single man within the sound of my voice, we need you on the wall of godliness. Yeah, amen. We need you to be watchful. I need you in the foxhole with me, men. And it's not easy. The battle is hard. And so I'm not saying any of this today in a critical, mean spirit. I love you, men. I'm in your corner. But we need you on this wall. The reason Paul is using this militaristic language is because there is a battle being waged on planet Earth. Listen, for the hearts and the souls of men. A battle. It's nothing new. The current state of the overwhelming majority of men in America is a sad affair. It's sad. And again, I don't say it in a critical, mean-spirited way. But many men don't know what it means to be a man anymore. Many men are sitting here right now, and this is already resonating with them because they're confused. What does it mean to be a man What am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to treat a woman? On top of that, we live in a a culture, in a a country, if you will, but it's worldwide, where many men grow up without dads. Boy, that's your story. That's a lot of you. You're sitting right here. You didn't grow up with a dad. And if you did grow up with a dad, you grew up with a dad who, who was a deadbeat dad, or you grew up with a dad who had checked out, he was tired, or he was just trying to fight his own battles. He didn't try to model for you what it means to be a, a man. Or he was just trying to deal with the hand he had been dealt, right? Life's hard, man, and, and sometimes we just need to remind ourselves that maybe, maybe people are doing the best they can with the hand they've been dealt. But regardless, it doesn't negate the fact that many men, not all of you, I realize that, but many men in our culture they're longing for something that they didn't really have. So if you grew up with a ga- godly dad or a present dad, you should be so thankful. You are one of the few people. This is why the Bible says, stand guard, be on watch. And the reason Paul is using a militaristic phrase is because we're in a battle. And there's nothing less at stake than the heart and the souls and the lives and the sexuality and the marriages of men and women, but I'm talking specifically to men today. And because we're in a battle, come on, come on, that means there is an enemy. You do know this, don't you? There is an active enemy. In fact, the Bible says this. Be alert and what? Of sober mind, your what? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, write that verse down or turn over there. You got 1 Corinthians 16, but I want you to also keep in mind 1 Peter 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around. Looking for someone to what, church? Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know, watch this. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I can think of no area in which men are suffering more than in the area of sexuality. There is an enemy. Men, he wants to kill you, men, he wants to steal from you. He wants to steal your legacy, he wants to steal your destiny. He wants to steal your children. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. The number one way in which the enemy, again, active and alive on planet Earth, the number one way in which the enemy is wanting to steal and kill and destroy you men and me is in the arena of what I might call Erotic imagery and pornography. This is his battlefield. And this is where he is reaping the greatest havoc on us today. This is a relational series, so I want to just hunker in today to talk about the devourous way in which Satan is destroying, in my opinion, the heart and the mind and the souls of men. And he's prowling around like a lion, and he's trying to take you out of the game. Write this down if it's not in your teaching notes. Cutting right to the chase. The devil delights in the outright and subtle objectification of women. The devil delights in the outright and subtle objectification of women. Now, most of you know what I mean when I say the objectification of women. But let me just unpack it for a moment. It involves viewing and or treating a person as an object, devoid of thought or feeling. Often, objectification is targeted at women and reduces them to objects of sexual pleasure and gratification. While both men, listen, and women, women, it it involves you today too but I'm focusing on men today. But while both men and women are prone to being seen and treated as objects, women are most commonly victimized in this way. From magazine ads to television shows to commercials to movies and more, it does not take much digging in to see that the sexual objectification of women is so pervasive in the 21st century. In fact, some believe it is so deeply ingrained and a part of modern society that most of us, most of you, if I'm not careful, I can slip right into this as well. We don't even realize the full extent of the prevalence, nor its negative effects on the psychological development of young women and men. And here's what's interesting to me is I just kind of hunkered in on this today. Normally when we talk about the sins of the day... We, we talk about things that are just kind of current and relevant to today, right? Things that are happening in the 21st century. But the interesting thing about this particular subject is that this goes all the way back to the days of Jesus and before. And if anything, it was worse back then than it is now. You, you need, you need, this is what makes Jesus so revolutionary. In, in other words, in the day of Jesus, women were, they were less than second-class citizens, Women were seen and treated as less than human in the days of Jesus. In the first century, women were objects. They were like common commodities. Prostitution was legal and actually encouraged. In the Roman and Greek world, slavery was legal And women were slaves at times. So that means that they could do anything they wanted to the slaves. And they could do anything that they wanted to the female slaves, which often meant rape, murder, horrible stuff. In early Rome, when little girls were born, they would often just be put down the river because everybody wanted a little boy. And it is into this world, this is what's so revolutionary about Jesus. It is into this world that Jesus Christ stepped onto the scene of human history and immediately started speaking dignity and worth and respect and value to women. And and you know what happened? You know what happened? Women flocked to the ecclesias throughout the Mediterranean world, the churches flocked to him. Woman caught in adultery. The religious leader's ready to stone her to death. Throw her in front of Jesus. What does Jesus do? Gets down. Writes in the dirt. Looks at the leaders, not the woman. Says, if you're without sin, you throw the first stone. If not, why don't you get your butt on out of here? Benji's interpretation. And then he looks at the woman. He says, woman, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Holiness matters. Revolutionary. Paul, Paul would would pick up on Jesus' emphasis upon all people, regardless of socioeconomic levels, regardless of skin color, regardless of gender. Paul, Galatians, would say this out loud, church, come on, at all of our campuses, ready, go. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there... For you are all... Do, do you see it? Revolutionary. What, what Paul is saying here is that men and women, we, we are one before God. We stand... On level ground, fully human. Peter, again, this is what makes Jesus and the whole New Testament so revolutionary. Look at what Jesus, uh, Peter says. Ready, go. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, let's continue, and treat them with, as the weaker partner. Time out. Now, women, you don't need to go getting upset by that. Somebody like, what well, you know? I'll rough my man up. <laughs> you might, but probably not. This is all. This means don't don't read too much into this. What this means, ladies, is that if you went home today after church and you arm wrestled your man, you'd probably lose. Agreed? Women, can you even agree to that? <laughs> Y'all, are some funny 21st century women. Like I don't know. Let's go. All that means. That's all that means, okay? That's all that means. And um, in other places, you know, Peter, Paul, the rest of them would talk about the women being co-equals, co-heirs. Look at this. Weaker partner and, here it is, and what? Heirs Heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Paul was saying, hey, we're, we're, we're one. There's neither male nor female. Peter is saying, listen, you are heirs with Christ. What that means is... The woman stands on level ground with you, bro. With you. In a relationship with her heavenly father, just as you have a relationship with your heavenly father. He is our heavenly father. And God has created us all. And therefore, we shall not slip into the objectification of women, treating them anything less than being Human And heirs with us In a relationship with a God Who created us both Loved us both And sent both His son Jesus Christ yeah. Says to treat him with respect that, That's too That's too Ascribe to a woman Listen, listen Honor Honor And you hope we, we hear this And even Even if we are caught up in the objectification of women, we know, come on, let's just be honest for a moment. We know that this is right. Even if we live in a 21st century culture that continues to objectify women, we know that this biblical worldview is the right and honorable and godly worldview and the way in which we are to treat women. We are to help elevate them to places with us in a relationship with God and not engage in any kind of treating of women as objects, commodities, but instead as people with dignity. People worthy of respect and honor and any time listen closely as we start to just zero in in our remaining time today in this very painful very pervasive subject of erotic imagery in our culture and pornography write this down it's not on the screens, but you should try to capture this if you can any and every time a man lustfully feasts his eyes upon an erotic image or a pornographic website. The devil is devouring your soul and crippling your ability to love a woman until death do you part. I think I need to say it again. Any and every time... You lustfully feast your eyes upon an erotic image or a pornographic website, bro. The devil is devouring your soul and crippling your ability to love one woman until death do you part. It's why Jesus used hyperbole when he said, hey, if your eye causes you to lust after a woman, pluck it out. All of you look at me, guys. Come on, guys. I don't see any eyes plucked out. Smart. He didn't mean it literally. It was hyperbole. But you get the point. Don't lustfully feast upon erotic imagery or pornography. Because, bro, listen to me. When you do, the devil is devouring your soul and crippling your ability to love as God created you to love a woman. They're even showing now scientifically where if you do this enough, it triggers something in your mind that actually enables you, or should I say disables you, to be aroused and in a healthy sexual relationship with one woman. Studies are showing, scientific studies are showing that pornography is like a drug. And it releases certain endorphins inside a man's mind and in his body where the damage is irreparable. And this is why, you know, pastors like myself have been trying to talk about this for 10, 15 years. Maybe not as much as I should have, I admit that. But I've preached about it several times in starting this church. And we've been saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And now the studies are coming out and they're showing how damaging it is. And you're not beyond hope and you're not beyond repair because God can repair, amen? amen. Oh. But anytime you do that, you are I'm, I'm gonna use language of Andy Stanley right now. I, I thought about trying to change the language and work it, but it's actually so good, I just wanna use it just as he said it. Andy Stanley said one time, he said, when you, when you engage in pornographic imagery, it's like you're going to school. It's like you're going to school and you're being hardwired and you're being taught and you're being trained in a school. The only problem with this school is that it is destructive and will destroy you sexually. Write these down. It's in your teaching notes. Dangers of erotic imagery and pornography. Number one, you go to that school long enough. Listen to me. And you'll actually be convinced and experience the reality that a real body isn't good enough. That's what will end up happening. A real body isn't good enough. Second danger, one body isn't good enough. Third danger, your wife's body current or future will not be good enough. To which some of you are sitting here right now and you're going, wow. That kind of explains it. That's why we're seeing young people graduating from high school and college and getting into relationships and, 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 and unable to really have healthy sexual relationships because they're trying to enjoy their young bride or whatever the case may be and they've been so shaped and warped and damaged from thousands and thousands and thousands of images that are not real in the first place and no one woman can compete with that. Devil is a lion. He's a liar. And your mind, listen, men, your mind and your sexuality is the battlefield. Can you feel it? I'm sure it's the same way at the campuses. There's good tension in the room. So how, how might you apply this today? I could stay here all afternoon and talk about it. I, I can't. I, I need to move on. But who knows, maybe a series is brewing on this in the future for both men and women. But, but here's, here's an application, a couple points for you. Ask God today to start transforming your mind to view women differently. Come on, man. Will you do that with me? Like, if you're caught up in this, man, and you're like, oh, I don't know, man, it's just a little pastime. It does, it's not impacting me. Oh, it's impacting you. If you felt some conviction here today, and that's a little bit of what we're feeling in the room Holy Spirit conviction. Again, I'm not beating you up, men. I'm not being overly critical. I'm in the same battle that you are in. I'm just asking you to jump in the foxhole with me, and I'm asking you to ask God, when? Today. To start transforming your mind to view women differently, not as objects, not as commodities, but as human beings full of dignity Full of worth do their honor and respect as heirs with us guys number two take action today to start acting like a man of God so men I'm inviting you to Join with me and say, God, if I'm struggling in any kind of way sexually or feasting on erotic or pornographic images or listening to the wrong stuff or watching the wrong stuff, start transforming my mind today. And secondly, take action today to start acting like a man. You might say, well, how do I do that? Let me give you a few. I just added this this morning. I just realized I, I, we needed a little more. Here's a couple of websites for you. Come on, come on. CovenantEyes.com. Write that down, guys. Ladies, you can write it down too. Ladies, it's good for all of us. CovenantEyes.com. You know what you do with CovenantEyes.com? You install it on your computer. And I think you can do it on your phone, but the next one you can do on your phone. You install it on your computer. You share passwords with friends who can hold you accountable. And they see every single website you go to. Powerful. Guys, come on out of the, come on out of, of, of the of the shadows and, and, and don't let guilt destroy you. It's okay to talk about these things. Find your band of brothers and talk about this and install covenant eyes. Here's another one. Lionapp.io. Just learned about that one this morning. Lionapp.io. You can install that on your phone. But again, don't let the guilt Or the shame, lift up your weary head and let somebody help you. Contact a pastor or a staff at this church. Contact a friend. Find your band of brothers and let somebody help you. Check this out. Oh, my Lord, write this down. What you cover, God will uncover. You're going to get uncovered one day. What you cover, God will uncover. What you uncover, hello, God will cover. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, no one lights a lamp and puts a bushel over it. Remember that? He says, instead of you light a lamp and you take the bushel off, let the light shine. What you cover, if you keep trying to be secretive, and and how many times, how how, how, how many times are you going to just erase your search history? Dude. You keep covering it. I've talked to you today about how to destroy your soul, but there's another side of it too. You keep covering it, you will be uncovered. Can your wife pick up your phone anytime? You keep covering it, God will uncover it. I promise you. But if you uncover it, God will cover you. God will have your back. Hey, man, I thought about should I say this or not. If you're listening to music, if you're listening to the music on your playlist that refer to women as, as bitches and whores and sluts, by the time the sun goes down tonight, you need to erase it off your playlist. And let somebody join you. Let somebody journey with you. Will you read it out loud with me one more time? Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Like men. One more time. Come on, all of our campuses. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. It's time to grow up, men. Paul says, when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. We live in a culture where there's all kinds of boys who've grown up, and, and they might have learned how to shave. I, I helped my boy Caleb uh, this week. I taught him how to shave, and I, I love doing that kind of stuff. But as I'm teaching him how to shave, I'm praying, secretly whispering in my soul, oh, God, help me teach him how to be a godly man and not just shave. We have lots of men who have grown up, and they've learned how to shave, or they're kind of a part of the beard revolution or whatever, and they might, they might be 21 years old, but listen, they're just, they're just still boys. And we don't know what to do with them, so we kind of we call them dudes. You hope men, I'm calling you out in this arena of sexuality to put on purity, to take your stand, to be watchful, to be strong in the Lord, and do not let Satan devour and destroy your soul with <laughs> pornography. So we're going to sing a song, and the song is titled Tremble. And we're going to get into this, and I just want you to know, men, and I I know, I know, I know there are women here, and you're like, you might think you're talking to just men, but you've been talking to me all day long. Good. We're going to sing a song, and it's called Tremble. And I just want to remind you there's power in the name of Jesus. Did you hear me, church? There's power in the name of Jesus. We're going to say peace, bringing it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break at your name. The storm, let the storm break at your name. Calm the sea to still, the rage in me to still, every wave at your name. And then we sing this, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, breathe, then call these bones to live, call these lungs to sing. Once again, I will praise, and then it keeps going back. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. We've talked about darkness today, the devil's darkness. And as you pray with me, men, that God will change your thinking today, And as you take action today, men, not tomorrow, today, you put it off. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Put it off. I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, no, you probably won't. Today, let the repentance, let the transformation start in the singing of this song. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Pray with me, come on. Father, um, I pray for my brothers. If I didn't love them, God, I wouldn't talk about such things. I pray for the hearts and the minds and the souls of men all over our campuses today, Father God. And I pray that the repentance and the transformation would start right here, right now. For the single man who is here, God, let him know how incredibly important this is. This is the preparation for marriage. To save your eyes, to save your lust, to save your sexual desires for the wife of your youth. Till death do you part. Father, for the men who are here who are divorced or in marriages... And they know the devil has got a foothold in this area. Oh, Father, would you let them be strong men of resolve. Not just strong men who say, I'm just going to beat it and do it on my own. No, let them be wise. Let them find help, maybe for professional help. Maybe talking with a pastor, downloading some softwares. Let us as men... Take the high road of integrity. Let us as men, let the new hope men be known for the way in which we honor and treat and show all and respect to women. And let it all be done. To the glory and the honor and the fame of Jesus, we pray. Amen.